Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast. I'm Dustin, joined by Chris Seeky. And uh, we're very excited. We have a great episode in store, lots of stories. And uh, we actually have a uh, fellow Hoosier with us today. Christian, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah. Uh, this is our friend Brad Banaka. I think it's the coolest thing how we met. A couple weeks ago, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. This is true. This we're, Dustin Dust and I are hanging out in the lobby. We'd wrapped up a podcast. Brad shows up or an audition. We start talking to him and we're like, okay, what's going on? And, and he's talking about the town that he's from. Surprisingly, it sounded very much like the town that we were from because in fact, it was. <laughs> South Bend, Indiana. That's right. The great South Bend, Indiana, Mishawaka Granger. For all our friends back there. Hey, miss all you guys, but tell you what, we don't miss the winners. Ain't that for sure? Yeah. <laughs> and so obviously we're like, what are the chances that we're going to run into someone who, I mean, you literally lived like two blocks away from me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, uh, that's actually right up there in Granger. Yeah. And here in LA and then we're like, you got to come on the podcast. Yeah. Connected on social media and here we are. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys for having me. I greatly appreciate it. You're an independent filmmaker and an actor. We get a little bit about it because we were there, but for the rest of the people listening, what is the film scene like in your opinion in the Michiana area? In the Michiana area, it's very, very limited. Basically growing up out there, I started in musical theater. I did a lot of theater there, yeah. some commercials, but our big thing was is, was the theater. You know, working with the South Bend Civic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. I did a lot of shows with them back in the day. Love that place. I still try and keep contact with some of my friends that are out there. Nice. But if you want to get anything into the film, you got to go to Chicago. Yeah. And then, of course, that was the big thing. At you know, I did high school plays, college plays, and I've I always want to be an actor. I went to IUSB, Indiana University, South Bend, <laughs> on a scholarship. And of course, uh, yeah, I flunked out, but it was a scholarship for uh, theater. Okay. And so okay. I, that's where I started my reign. But then all of a sudden, I, you know how it is family life, sure. having a child. You yeah, know, you, yeah. you, you kind of take that direction, and that's where I went. But I still kind of played a little bit with the Civic and things like that, but always had those aspirations in the back of my mind. Okay. So moving forward almost 30 years, the ex wife and I had moved to Tucson, Arizona. Okay. Been working out there on a whim. Pima Community College had a little film studies group, okay. yeah. and they were putting little short films together. Yeah. So I auditioned for that, got a little role. It was called Artificial. It's kind of cool. I was like, all right, that's really neat. At about Christmas time, I was uh, given my pink slip from my day job, looked at the wife at the time, and I says, you know what? Always wanted to try my hand at acting in film. I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. She goes, what, what, what do you mean you're just going to do it? I says, well, we got some money. You know? I'm going to go, I'm going to go, uh, let me, I'm going to get, get some headshots made and I'm just going to go beat the street in Hollywood. She goes, you're nuts. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yes, but I'm going to do it. And she knew I was going to do it. So I actually went out. My plan was for two weeks, ended up renting the, uh, renting a little hotel room down in Hollywood at Las Palomas uh, Hotel. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's the outside has been on Seinfeld. So. Okay. The, the, the tour buses were yeah, always going their, by. Yeah. Interior, yeah, not so much, but <laughs> it was a place to lay the head. So I have these headshots that now that I look back, and I should have brought some to show you. No, they're not. They're not industry standard headshots. <laughs> so I, so I, I start 
beat feet in the ground. And I'm, you know, I'm checking things out. I ended up getting on uh, on, a, on a TV show, court drama. It wasn't a court drama, but it was a, a court show. Okay. $50, you play around. So that was my first TV experience. On my computer, I'm looking at Craigslist. And I'm like, okay. Oh, we're looking for background work. All right. This is a little independent. I'll send it in. Yeah. They say, come on down. I'm like, all right. So the next day, I drive down there and... It's at the old USC hospital there, between the 10 and the 16. Oh, yeah, you can see yeah. it right, right off the yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful yeah. old. Yeah. So I come pulling up, and it's big enough as it is. I'm like, okay. He said seventh floor. So I'm trying to find buttons. I get up there. As I walk out, I see Danny Glover walking around a corner. Not oh. thinking anything, thinking I'm on the wrong floor. <laughs> turn around. I'm heading before the elevator. Here comes the second assistant director. Wait, wait, wait. You're Brad. Come on. Brings me in. And so I'm doing background work for a small independent feature, finding out that, of course, Danny Glover is one of the leads. Nice. <laughs> and it was like, just blew me away. So as we're sitting there, and I'm not really doing anything, there's these scripts on the table. Sure. And I'm reading through the script, and I get done, and I'm like, this is this is a great script. Said, man, you could win some awards with this. This got me all teary-eyed. And this, this young man in the corner who had scrubs on, one of the actors, says, yeah. well, thank you. And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean about that? He said, no, I wrote it. So oh. it was an independent film. Leo Olivia wrote the film. One thing led to another. I stuck around. All of a sudden, now I'm second, second assistant director on the shoot. Wow. Getting to wrangle guys. Plus, then I got a small little role in there. So our big thing was on this little production was, how many times can you see Brad on screen? <laughs> Literally, because I would do a You're lot of background, background work, yeah. do background work, plus then fill in. There was a scene that ended up getting cut where I go across once, I change my clothes, I cross again in a hallway, <laughs> a long hallway, because we didn't have enough people to cover. So it was like, okay, give me this, I'm carrying it across. Give me this, I'm carrying it across. Give me this. That's funny. And and so that was that was my first real into an independent film. Moving forward about a year. First of all, I have to applaud you. You are one of the few people who said, you know what? I'm all in on this filmmaking thing, and you jumped right in. The I think it was incredibly ballsy that you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna go up to Hollywood and see what happens. Very, very cool. Well, thank perhaps. you. Yeah, thank um, you. Most people don't have the guts to do that. <laughs> I didn't really either. It just, it, it, I always say that that doors open for you, and if you take that advantage. But yeah, so <laughs> it it surprised myself too. My next move on that was. I was really excited. Moved back home, doing what I was doing. We were trying to get a theat. They were trying to get a theatrical release for the shift. Okay, it is on Amazon Prime. It's called the Shift. Make sure that you see it. But they ended up having a premiere in Florida. We okay. flew down for that. Oh, it was, cool! It was an awesome, very cool, an awesome very trip. Cool. Had a great time. And then since we had that little flow, that's when I decided to make that move. I got a job here. That's where you get into what we're discussing a little earlier. Dream of you think it's going to be an automatic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people, you come out here starry-eyed and you're like, oh, you know, you know, I'm going to meet Steven Spielberg or Christopher Nolan. And before you know it, I'll be king of the movie industry. Yeah, you got to pay your dues. It takes some time. And that's what we're, you know, Christian and I, in our own pursuits, in doing all these interviews and everything, that's what we're finding out is everybody's like, man, you know, you really got to stick with it. You have to have perseverance. Most people end up dropping out. Yes, and, and they really do. And it's, it's, it's a sad state because they turn around and they think they're going to get that one or two year. I will admit my first couple of years out here, I was a lost puppy. You know, I yeah. didn't know where to go. I didn't have support. Yeah. I'm like, what what direction? I'm going to make it and I'm yeah. going to do it. But there's been times that I had sat in the room going, should I just should I just go somewhere else? Should I just give up? Yeah. As a new actor, what are some of the ways that you built a unity? Did you, did you go to acting classes? That's, did you 
join right. players groups? Did you do community theater? What are some of the things you did to kind of... I had like enough most... with like Leo and that, that, you know, sure. they, they, they were supportive and they kind of guided me. It's nice to have that kind of mentor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically I took... Meisner study, and I've I've studied Meisner, Meisner oh twice. Can you explain that a little bit? Meisner, I took a Meisner class for directors. It's like, oh, you want to work with actors? Go through this and have the emotional shit kicked out of you, and then you'll know what it's like to be an actor. And uh, oh my god, Meisner was your Meisner is run. my study. For those who don't listen, as Dustin <laughs> said, what is? Can you summarize Meisner in a thirty second? Okay, well, Sanford Meisner was one of the great teachers of our time, it's basically living through the moments, moment to moment. Okay. And uh, so your first year is a total breakdown. As you said, it's breaking down your walls because as kids, kid actors are easier to get their emotions out because they don't have those walls that have been built up over years and over years. So it's basically breaking you down, not in a bad way, but in enough way that you can get to those emotional feelings and that you can pull a moment from somebody on how they feel. You know, right now you're looking at me, you're very inquisitive on learning this right here. And that's what I'm getting from the vibe just by seeing you. And that's what Meisner teaches. Okay. It's an awesome study. I highly recommend it for anybody. You don't have to use it all. All your training, you can take nuggets of each of it and be able to tailor make it for your own. Did that help in the sense that you now had a group of other actors that you could work with? Oh, yeah. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And I have friends that have continued over the years through those classes, just like my producing partner that I have now from my last class, we would go and produce our own content. You'll find a big problem as you move out here, you don't have a resume of, of projects. You don't have a demo reel. Casting directors need a great headshot. And they need something that pops on a demo reel that yeah. knows that you know what you're doing. Yeah. And so a lot of those, we were actually building off of each other that we would work and make these little 30-second, one-minute yeah. demo reels and be able to use that and move forward. I think one of the hard parts about being an actor, getting comfortable with auditioning and not succeeding. Right? It's like applying for a job interview and then most of the time you don't even hear back. How do you train yourself as an actor to be comfortable saying, I'm going to show up, I'm going to spill my guts to these strangers my emotional guts, and then I'm going to be ready to do it again the next day. Now, you you raised a really good point on that, because when I first came out, I had a hard time with the rejection, okay. because I've never really been told, no, mm-hmm. I can't, no. And that's the hardest part is, is, anybody that's new that's coming out here, you have to understand, at any one time, there's a thousand people that have sent in their headshots. Right. Maybe 50 of them are chosen to come in, but you still are going against so many people. You have to bring your A game. But if you didn't get the part, it's not because of your acting. Yeah, It can be, you're not tall enough. You're not. Right. You know, there's so many other variables. Yeah. We went Someone a different direction. Yeah. Instead of a guy now, we're making it a female. Yeah. But you're yeah. going against a lot of other people. And my hard part was hearing that no. But it gave me the drive and determination to get better and better and better. But yeah, you have to have a thick skin. But then you also have to look at it and say, well, there are variables that are completely out of your control. The biggest thing that I can give to the audience is it's the time you get to actually perform in front of somebody. Don't take it as, oh, this is an audition. No, no you're performing. It's a performance. You're wow. performing. Yeah. You're That's doing really your job. It it gives me chills when I get to walk in because whether or not I get the part, 
I still got to do my job. That is a That's really a cool way to look yeah, at so. it. Yeah, I like that. So it's a little bit of a mind shift, but it's, you know, kind of how, how can you almost take the nerves away a little bit? It's like, no, this is your job. That's awesome. That's exactly. That's exactly. And, that, and that's, that's cool. the best. And that's the best analogy that you can take with that. And especially for people that are coming out, because it takes 10 years to get your first big break. Yeah. Right. I have plenty of friends. It's been, you look at their, their whole cycle of it and it's about 10 years that they become, yeah. and it's like, they think they're an overnight success, but people don't realize the amount of work that you have to put into it to get to that yeah. point. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, something else I kind of wanted to touch on is you, you had mentioned a couple uh, different projects that you're working on like now. Could you kind of tell us a little bit about those projects and, and maybe what you have in the works? Or projects that you've done recently. Or projects. I know you've done projects. a bunch. <laughs> I, I'm trying to stay busy. That's what I say. You know, with a day job, and I always tell people, here's one thing is, if you come out here, as a, just as a caveat, if you're not planning on working, you come out here with a good bank account. Yeah. I did take a complete year off of my day job, and I went through that money in a full year. Wow. So it's it's one of those things that you want to make sure that when you're serious yeah. about coming out here, you check all those boxes. You know, you don't be just crazy enough to, oh, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to be a barista and I'm going to try because the cost of living out here is so much higher than it is anywhere else. So oh, yeah. bringing that to that, um, you know, I've got a couple of films that are on Amazon Prime right now. One is, of course, The Shift. It's been on there for a while. Please check it out. It's a uh, That's the one where I was second, second assistant director. Uh, I've got another one called Loquisha. Uh, I have a supporting role in it. It's a funny film. Uh, you need to check it out. I do have one that I'm really excited about. We filmed in Iceland. I got to spend 22 days on that beautiful island wow. shooting a film called Angels Never Cry. Not, not only was I <laughs> one of the lead actors, I was also the UPM, which is Unit Production Manager, which means yeah. I helped keep everything cool. together. That's actually being released internationally right now in 24 screens in Vietnam coming up shortly. They're having an Italian premiere. I'm trying to talk my way into getting into the Italian <laughs> premiere. Awesome. Uh, and then hopefully we'll get distribution out here in, in the United States. But I'm just happy that it's getting released out there. Now, would you talk a little about, you said 22 days in Iceland. What's it like as an actor being on location like that far? How does that go? Well, this one being an, another independent, we all chipped in. So we had uh, one of our lead actors, he'd cook or we'd cook and, and we'd kind of be communal towards the end. At the beginning, uh, we roomed, we were doing the Airbnbs. So okay. I roomed with a couple other actors yeah. uh, and then a couple of the actors were rooming in one of the locations where we were shooting. Okay. So, but then at the end, we all went to this cabin and it was such a great communal feeling that, you know, you had everybody together and it's such a beautiful place. Sure. I mean, if anybody can visit, go visit. It's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, that sounds so. awesome. In addition to all the different projects and stuff you've done, you mentioned like when you first came out here, you were looking for jobs on Craigslist. Do you have any advice for like finding work? I, I don't know about the Craigslist now. <laughs> I think that's a one-and-done lucky, because normally that doesn't happen. Okay. And normally you need to get on, like, Actors Access, uh, LA Casting. Backstage. Uh, backstage. There's a, there's another one called Hollywood Casting. That's where I actually got 
the um, Angels Never Cry. Okay. And I was brought in through Hollywood casting for Angels Never Cry. I wasn't actually auditioning for it, but they, they will send their sure. people in. Yeah. And I read for a role, and she looked at me, and she goes, no, that role doesn't fit you, but can you read for Papa? And then I read for Papa, and then one thing led to another. There was supposed to be an Icelandic actor that was having that role, and she wanted me so bad that she worked her power, and then I, I took over the role of Papa. Cool. So, you know, moving forward, especially now that I'm starting to produce... You know, we're working on a half-hour comedy. We're calling it Over Our Heads. We originally released a, and this is where we get back to working together with classmates. We did a series, a web series called Midlife Crisis, which was basically two guys trying to make a web series about making a web series. Okay, very okay. meta. Yeah, <laughs> very meta, and it's the same thing. Well, now we've kind of, we've really upped the stakes and so over our heads is like a cross between Bill and Ted and Oh God, You Devil. Okay. And we've added a lot more layers of this onion. And so basically we follow the misadventures of two bumbling old timers trying their hand at fame and fortune in Hollywood. The town of seven deadly sins. And we looked that up and it's like, you know what? Every sin fits Hollywood. <laughs> Not the city itself, it's the right but just Hollywood. Yeah. You know, and then the whole time they we realized that they were actually pawns in a cosmic game that could set off end times. Oh. And we okay. really I mean, yeah. we really amped it. And, and and you know, with that, it's like and but that's getting to meet people. And then finding people that have those same passions and being able to work with them and grow in this community. Yeah, it's sure. really a small community. You don't really realize how small Hollywood is until, you know, it took me seven, almost eight years that now it's coming full circle that people that I've worked with or people that I know. And all of a sudden we're seeing each other cross paths yeah. over and over again. Yeah. So it's it, it's a it's a neat little uh Neat little town, but it can be scary for the first time so, coming out. I, I have my heart set on moving out to good old Los Angeles to make it as an actor. I'm, I'm, I have the makings of the next George Clooney. What advice would you give me? You don't think I look like George Clooney? <laughs> maybe I'm like I, 38. I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe if you shave the beard. Could be. Yeah, no. <laughs> Guests come on my hey, show. You and started it. <laughs> Just insulting me. All right. So, what what advice would you give to a to an aspiring actor? It's always been follow your dreams, no matter what happens. Yeah. Have no regrets. I live by that mantra every day. You know what? I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna try. I'm gonna push forth to see if I can make it. Yeah. If I don't make it, well. Keep pushing. I damn tried it. I pushed as far as I could. You know what? Maybe I hit that brick wall and everything falls out. When I'm laying on my deathbed, I can look back and say, I don't have the regret of saying I didn't try it. And so I tell everybody, go for it. Don't have those expectations of it's just going to magically appear. You could get lucky. You could walk into a whatever cafe and that guy looks at you and goes, Wait, man, you'd be great for this part. <laughs> You're the guy. Now, this happens, what, one and one-tenth of a percent. Yeah. Everything else is all about training. Just prepare yourself for the move. Prepare yourself. Have a backup plan, a plan B of this is what I need to do to survive as I'm continuing to grow and know that it's it's not a sprint. Sure. It's a marathon. Now, something I have a question. This is uh, maybe a little bit of my being naive to acting a little bit. 
How do you prepare for a role? You know, are you practicing lines by yourself? Are you looking in a mirror? Well, it, it all depends. In, in the Meisner study, we're taught, at least with the Ruskin school, we take all our lines, okay. we run them down as one big paragraph. Okay. I don't care if it's three pages, four pages, and we learn it by rote. So okay. you're going to learn, the, and it's the hardest way to learn your lines. But what it allows you to do is not put any emotion behind the lines because what you're wanting to do is I may have a scene where I'm supposed to be irate. The actor that's with me is not giving me that escalation. Okay. So I cannot go in and just, you know, they're like, uh, I'd like toast with an okay, you know. And they're not giving me anything back, so right. I got to be able to work off of what they're giving me and be able to throw that out. So it's all, I learn them by rote. Okay. A lot of times I'll just go through and just study the lines. Then I'll go through and then I'll just start blurting them out. And then the faster that I can say them, the easier they are just to you know fall out of the mouth. And like how long? How long would that take you? You know, preparation. Does it vary by role? Actually, it varies by the written word. Okay. So. Because uh, as a writer, they want that written word said just how it's spelled out on the page. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll let you have a little bit, but a lot of times I'll be reading something and Brad would not say it this way. Yeah, sure. So that's where a lot of times it can get sticky because you're like reading something and it's like, yeah, it makes sense, but... I would say it this way, yeah. and so that makes it harder to to learn yeah. that particular dialogue. Yeah. But other okay. than that, yeah, it's 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 a fun little. Sometimes okay. I can learn them within a day, and then sometimes it can take me a week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever it takes, honest, right? as right. long as you, as as long long as you get it, it done. Right, right. Well, yeah, as long as I've got them down before we're filming, right. that's the important yeah. thing. But yeah, okay, yeah, that always amazed me. You know, whenever you see these these super long takes in movies, or you know that this scene, even though it's been cut in editing, you're like, they knew this whole thing and they were able to do it as a whole scene, right? I'm like, holy cow, and how do they know all the lines? And that actually, that's how we do them when we do setups, is we'll run a master shot. Right. And then, so you really have to have that whole scene down for the master shot. Yeah. Because that's going to be a one shot, and then that way we can piece in. And then what you do with that is you go at half your emotion. You don't give a full emotion. You only get to your full emotion when you're into the into the close-ups because that's when you're really getting picked up by the camera and you guys yeah. know that right yeah and and so you know a lot of times I'm working with somebody and especially my producing partner we were doing a scene and he was giving 150 percent on the wide shot and I'm like okay here's what's happening by the time we get to your close-up you're gonna be spent yeah. You're not going to have enough there to give us what you're giving us you're not, now. It's not going to be 150. You know, okay, yeah. I know this is 4K and we can squeeze in tight on a close-up, but yeah. <laughs> we yeah. don't have to. Oh man, the magic of technology. So, this is something that, that I've always wondered about too. You come from a Meisner background. Mm-hmm. Among actors, is it does conflict ever arrive when you're doing a scene with an actor who comes from a different philosophy? No. Okay. As long as they can give the true emotion. Or give something that you can be worked off of. No, so you can, not it's, at all. Okay. It, like it opens. So it's not like Meisner guys and, right, meth- right. And, okay. and method guys are like throwing rocks at each other. No, oh, absolutely okay. not. Okay. Absolutely not. The, the only thing a lot of times you see with somebody that's method, 
like say the Daniel Day Lewis and that, where they become that character twenty four seven. Yeah, I don't do that. Sometimes if it's a whole day, I'll I'll stay in the character. Sure. But when it's time to go home, you know, I'm backing away you're, from you're it bragging. because you're, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but some people do do that. But as long as I'm getting the moments, doesn't really it doesn't sure. yeah, it doesn't That's matter. Fair. My thing is to make sure that I'm getting a moment off of you because then it, it works so much better. It seems real and natural, and that's yeah. all that we're trying to do. Like I said, like I said earlier, they're not these teachers out here. Like when we're doing Meister method, they're not teaching you how to act. They're teaching you how not to act. Okay, and that's hmm. that's the yeah. big difference because really to be a true actor is you're not acting. You're living through the moments. You're you're giving okay. a natural. You know, you're you're just being human. That's interesting. Yeah. So something else Very I wanted cool. to, I did want to ask is the union. So I know actors before you, if you ever get into the union. Well, I guess really, what's what's the biggest difference? Well, it took me. So I I got to be SAG eligible four years ago. Okay. Five years ago. And how how is that? You have to have so many hours of. No, actually, the great thing about having ultra low budget work. So there are certain there are certain ways that you can work around with getting actors eligibility. Okay. One is you can do background work. You get three. I never did that. I only did a couple of backgrounds. So they, they actually give you vouchers, so many background, and then you can like apply. Vouchers. Right. Okay. The other way is you do what's called the, the ultra low budget. And then basically what that is, is it allows you to be, so it's a, a SAG film or a SAG show, um, but it's on an ultra low budget like cost. for web or right student for film web or, or student film and things like that. And so basically, if you have an, a SAG actor, you come on board, then you can be become like SAG that. eligible. Yeah, okay. And then that's how you become SAG eligible. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and so I sat on it for almost five years. years, four years. Okay. And then I just. Signed the dotted line a couple of weeks ago that uh, you know put me full time in the union. What? That's I, awesome. It is, but there are a lot of uh, really cool non-union work that's out there. But it's it's sad because I even try to talk to them, like some of the schools and that. Hey, you know, do it as a SAG ultra low budget because then. But well, there's too much paperwork. Eh. But I like I just did a uh, I played a cancer patient for a uh, short film. Okay. Um, yeah. The only reason that I really wanted to do that was because of the content in the storyline, and it I think it's going to turn out fantastic. But it was non-union. Yeah. You know, and so I'm going to lose out on all of those. But now I'm looking at the next the yes. next level yeah. of, of my career. To take that anyways. step forward, yeah. We normally ask this, you know, of everybody that kind of comes on the show. But if you had maybe like three three pieces of advice, and it doesn't have to be acting specific, but to people that are kind of coming out to LA to pursue, you know, film, this industry, Hollywood. You know, what would you tell people? Okay, here, here, here's the one. Be prepared for traffic. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to want to leave early no matter where you're at. Okay, so the, the main point that I think is, is you need to be serious. This is not just a on the whim, I'm going to do it like like myself. I could do that because I, I had some funds set aside, sure. you know. Yeah. I've earned that right at 40-some years old at the time. You know, now I'm almost 50. Wow, I can't believe I'm in L.A. at almost 50. Yeah. Is making sure that, that this is really what you want to do. If it is, go for it. If you have any of that inkling in the back of your mind, wait on it. 
build up some money, work on it, then make the move. But okay, that's good. Advice. That's one. That's good advice. Number two, be on time. Okay. One of the big things about this industry, just like any other industry, if your call time or your appointment is say three o'clock, like today, yeah, I was here downstairs at two thirty. I make sure that you're always on time. That is the biggest thing that will knock you in this market so fast. Yeah, is not being prepared or being. Okay. And then the second one is making sure that you're prepared, bringing your A game. You know, you're going, like we were talking earlier, you know, they get thousands of submissions. They look through little thumbnails. So you got to make sure you have this awesome little headshot because all they're doing is looking at these thumbnails. If they can't get something that looks good, you know, then they're going to look at your demo reel. If that demo reel ain't up to par, you know, you're, you're done. So if you're getting called in, you should have that respect to make sure that you have your lines. And they don't have to necessarily be completely down because there's been times... I've been, my manager's turned around and says, I'm heading back home after an audition. Oh, I got you another one. You're like, well, not enough time. Okay. No, I literally turned around, drove from, I was heading out. I was almost to Pasadena. You know, I was in in LA. I had left. She called me. I stopped. She says, I said, what time is it? And she says, it's in a half hour. And I says, I'll be there. I flipped the guy, but I told her, I says, let them know. I'm flipping the car around. I'm heading out. I got the sides that day. I mean, right then when I walked in and I had like five minutes to do a look over and went. Beverly was somewhere over there. Yeah. Yeah. I had to flip and go back that way. How many, how many traffic rules laws did you violate to get there? We'll just say, we'll just say, we'll just say I, I'll make a movie about that one. We'll just say I made it. I was on the 210. Luckily the traffic wasn't as bad as that, but that's the thing, especially in this business. It's all of, and I'm going to give them a fourth. Go for it. No matter who you meet, no matter who you talk to, you never know who's going to be the next something or something. Your relationships will build, just like you yeah. guys. Yeah. We don't know who we're talking to. You know, I'm yeah. I, over the last eight years, I've seen it, and it's like, oh wait, now now this guy's a director. Yeah. Oh, wait, now like, Holy cow. you know, ooh, you know that person treated that person bad. Well, they don't forget. Yeah, that's the important people. People do not forget. You know, you're you're coming to work for somebody. You just treat everybody with the, the utmost respect. That makes sense. Yeah, and and you'll see your everything that'll blossom. Fantastic, dude. You got any good networking tips as an actor? Anything you find works really well? Okay, that's that's a that. And, and if that's a trade craft, no, you that, can't no, share. no, no, no. Actually, it's not. It's just it's a double edged sword because I'm very good at talking. I'm very good at reading people. Oh, I've done that. Genuine. Right. And, but I've done that for years. Sure. That's a craft that I've learned over the ages and it has nothing to do with acting. It just happens to be I'm not afraid to get in and talk to people. But then I know when to step out, when to not. I'm not over there handing a headshot. I'm not over there handing them a card. I'm just yeah meeting them. Brad, and I think I think you make the point, and, and we talk about this all the time on the podcast with our guests, don't we? Relationships are the currency of the world. If you have, if you're congenial and you're outgoing and you're respectful, whether you continue in, act, in acting or filmmaking or whatever endeavors you pursue in your life, it's going to be valuable because that's part of the world that we live in. Correct. And I think sometimes people overthink it and they're like, oh, you have to, you know, I need to have the cards. And, I, and that's not it. It, it. It's something that's much more primordial. Some people do it naturally and other people just forget to do it. And I think the point you make is 
Do the things that you're doing now in school, that you're doing in your town, that you're doing with everybody you meet. And as long as you're not a total a-hole and you're respectful, yeah, like I, I remember, treat you well. You know, I went to a convention and it was, you know, networking for my current job. But when we were at the convention, everybody's going around and they're just kind of exchanging cards. But it was really impersonal. I was like, I really don't even know who you are. You know, I just got the card and it was more like, you know, oh, if you ever need this or, you know, need business. But it was very impersonal. I didn't actually form relationships with these people. And the ones that, I mean, it wasn't even about collecting cards, but afterwards we would go grab drinks or do something. That's, those are the people I remember. Right. Right. Now I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I don't, it's not just a Rolodex. It's just like how we met. Yeah. You know, there was nothing that I ever pushed on you guys to slam out. Oh no, here, this is what I do. That came at the end. Yeah, we just yeah, talked you know, about we just the talk. fighting Irish, man. That's right. <laughs> That's how friendships <laughs> you know are formed. And I, and I hate, hate to bring this up on a podcast right now, but I'm really looking forward to this year. I think I think these boys are going to take Ooh, it. Me too. I think I think national title is in our. What do you think? What do you think? Go Irish. Huh? I mean, I say that every year. <laughs> well, we say but, it every year. We always say that every but year. But I do believe it this but year. This year, I believe it too. So, but uh, no, I mean, this is a great industry to get in. It's a tough industry, yeah. but if you love what you do and you have to love it. Going back to South Bend, I ran a karaoke DJ company for 15 years called Brad B Entertainment. We were very successful. Mm-hmm. When I first started the business, I said, once it becomes a job, I'm going to retire. Yeah. Almost 15 years to the day, it became a job. Yeah. All right. It's time. And, I, and I let it all go <laughs> because it was no longer the fun that I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the same thing with acting. If it ever became that point, I would step away. Yeah. So you got to have fun at it. You got to know that's your passion and that's what you really want to do and write your own material. You know, my big thing with a lot of the newer kids and adults, and I get a lot of this with a lot of older adults going, well, everybody says that I'm too old. You're never too old. Because they're not going to get a 20-something to play a grandmother. They're not going to get a 20-something to that's play a, a good mother. Point. I they're think not that's a good get... point. Yeah, and that's the thing. There are character actors that are out there. I'm not planning to be the George Clooney, as you say. I <laughs> it's just not going to ha- If it does, great. If I get a lead like that, wonderful. But I don't need that. I like just having a good well, character that's going to give me satisfaction for something that maybe will allow conversation. And I think you make a great point. I think a lot of actors think I have to become that 0.001% of all actors who have their names plastered. You can make a great living. You can be successful. You can be working all the time at something you love, making money doing it, and you don't have to be, you know, someone that's being chased by TMZ all the time. Right. Well, you know, what's also cool, and we live in a great time where there's more content now being produced, and they follow stories of, you know, not just the, uh, you know, young, slick-looking cowboy. Now, they have stories about all kinds of different people, you know? So, we, we live in a, you know, it's... This is awesome. We have a lot of content diversity out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, with, with, with the YouTube as it came up, that's how we came up with the midlife crisis thing, the, the original yeah. web series. It was like, you know, my first statement was we had gotten together and it was just funny. I was like, I, I says, you know, it'd be funny if we did a web series about a web series because these YouTube kids make money hand over fist. We're writing the first episode. Yeah. And boom, 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 boom. And we were taking that and now we've continued to make it into a bigger, you that's know, awesome. we're now we're trying yeah. to get something that we can get on Netflix or Amazon. Yeah, uh, cool. And I, the, the big thing is, is you can have a camera, 
the best thing is is write your content. If it's bad, it's bad. It's 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 a learning curve. You're always learning. You know, yeah. it's never going to be perfect. You're, yeah. You know, you can't beat yourself over the head going, oh, that camera shot or blah blah. No, it's all we're learning as we go. Sure. Right. We hear about all the all the 22 year olds who move to Los Angeles every year. And I read some statistics at some point that most people drop out after three to five years, right? Oh, I even think it's less than that. I, th- well, I, even, I even think it's, I think we're talking one yeah. or two years, actually, yeah. is the last thing that I so, read on backstage. Uh, yeah. And I believe it. Yeah. Right? So then who are the people that are playing the 30-year-olds and the 40-year-olds and the 50-year-olds and the 60-year-olds, right? It keeps getting a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller piece of that acting pool. So you do bring up a point that, you know, for all the people that are thinking of a career change... They're probably better off than if they started it when they were 19 and competing against, you know, hundreds of thousands of other 19-year-olds. Uh, yeah, actually, I had a, a discussion with somebody the other day about that, that, uh, you know, you do look at it because you've got all the, the young ones that come in. Now, you know, 10,000 young guys at 21, they all look the same. Yeah. I, many times I go on auditions and it's kind of funny with the older guys like ourselves, we don't all look alike. You know, some yeah. of us got goatees, beards, some of them clean shaven, but we're all going out for the same role. And it's like, it makes me feel a little bit better because I'm walking into, I've got a group of guys, we're close because they're all looking for like this five, yeah. six foot white guy, bald you know, you walk yeah. in and it's not like we're all the same, whereas it's kind of candy cutter when it comes to the youngers. Sure. You know, when they're bringing you in, they want the the, the washboard stomach kid that's yeah. going to be the surfer <laughs> or whatever. And then you walk in and it's all, they all look like the same surfer dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I totally believe it. But I, but I do feel that at any age you can come in and you can try your hand at it. it, it there is no, there is no age limit to that. Awesome. Absolutely not. I think that's very cool. Fantastic. Well, something I wanted to ask you, and you know, kind of switching gears a little bit, but if you if you could pick one, I mean, what would be your favorite? So, with the disclaimer that you gave us before, that you now watch movies primarily okay. as a critic, right? Not a fan <laughs> right. anymore. Well, that that we, we did have that conversation earlier. That that the hard thing about being a filmmaker, uh, a writer, a producer, an actor, the joys of movies are there, but. You're too busy trying to break down what that director was doing or how that actor yeah. is having those moments. Uh, I hate to say it, but I have to go back to Town and Country Cinemas. Oh, <laughs> wow. 1977. Yeah. Yeah, they're not even there anymore, are they? Yeah, I don't think so. No, the threeplex that they had. They yeah. had they used to have the one and then they built it. Well, this is before I before your guys' this time, actually. <laughs> Town 1977. For the opening of Star Wars. That is oh, amazing. Well, you know, that's not that's a bad my, choice. That's my favorite, favorite movie of, of all time. Of yeah, course, I've that's got actually other my ones. No, and I think this is cool because obviously we don't have many friends who were, were there when Star Wars came I out. I wish I could have been there. Oh. Like, I, I just, I think it's, did you have any idea walking out of the theater what it had the potential to become? Uh, no, I was only seven at the time. So, absolutely not. Yeah, you're not all I knew, of- all I knew. Here's my thing. All I knew is I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Oh yeah. As I aged, my taste changed. Sure. So when I became, you know, middle school, all of a sudden I wanted to be 
Han Solo. Oh, yeah. So, but I love them all. And then when I got older, I gravitated towards Darth Vader. It was it's it's weird. Every time that I've watched it, it has brought something oh. different yeah, that's cool. to you know how these characters are, what they do, and I think to me that is my all time favorite. I mean, of course, uh, Harrison Ford's. I'd love to be you know, but loved all his movies and what yeah. you know. Steven's actually, I was just at an audition for USC for a short film, and I was at the. Steven Spielberg oh, yeah. and George Lucas buildings. Yep. And I That's took pictures good. on Instagram going, Hey, <laughs> yeah. These are my these are my guys. You That's know. awesome. How did Star Wars, you think, uh, inspire you to be a filmmaker, to be an actor? If it did. Oh, it did. Oh, it meant uh, I mean, did, did it is there anyone who didn't inspire? <laughs> yeah, I mean Well, it. you know, I, I really looked at it. I was very introverted as a child. Okay. And um, my music teacher in third grade. Uh, got me to start singing, and then I had went to um, Indian Indiana in, or Indianapolis for for the state finals, and actually got gold medals in solo nice. singing. Oh, very cool! And then that led later on to getting into musical theater and finding my voice on stage through that because I'd always play with the little toys. Oh yeah! You know, I always I always liked having that imagination and being able to I'm I'm doing my it. own little movie yeah. uh, you know I didn't have the I, I mean my dad's VHS super or whatever he had yeah, I those mean big that huge shoulder camera, pack cameras, and try and yeah. play with those yeah. and make little scenes and things like that and <laughs> always always loved it loved the medium because like I was like I said you wouldn't today you wouldn't think of who I was when I was a kid because when right. I was a kid I was so quiet I didn't really you know I was very nervous to talk to to girls, I was very nervous to talk to people. I was kind of, but sure. when I got on stage, this whole other side, it was like, yeah. Well, it was it was allowing me to 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 play with other people, yeah. You know, to be somebody else and to really shine. So that's when I really got into the theater portion of it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and, and I originally wanted to be on Broadway. Now, I do have a friend that actually from because I moved from South Bend up to Michigan. And I graduated from uh, Ross Beatty High School in Cassopolis, even though I did go to oh, Penn yeah. for a year. Uh, but Shout what out am to I? Penn High. Penn High, <laughs> Ross Beatty, hey, Niles, all you guys. <laughs> we'll, give, we'll give them all, all the South Bend schools, the Mishawaka schools, oh. all that. But uh, he's actually, he works on Broadway. Oh, very cool. And very cool. so it's, it's, it's cool to see our dreams and us actually yeah. realizing that, you know, what we've done back then saying oh I want to be this I want to have my names and lights I want to do that and then the real world hits yeah and now you're back at it so I, I for some reason I got off on a tangent on that oh yeah it was all because of Star Wars so you got me started on that yeah. <laughs> um, I think something that is cool for all of us filmmakers who love Star Wars growing up now you actually have the opportunity potentially at some point to be in a Star Wars film yeah, is that something you would ever uh, what well, was you, it the you, Revenge of the Sith came out and I remember I was like I don't think George Lucas will ever sell it. So I was like, I think that's it for Star Wars. And of course, you know, being young, bright-eyed kids that had dreams of being filmmakers, you know, that was always like, oh man, wouldn't it be so cool to direct a Star Wars? Would, and then they brought it back and you're like, oh my gosh. I would love to. And I know they've got some some uh, shows on the works for uh, like their Disney Plus channel. Yeah. Um, there's so much availability for that. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, I'd just, love to be able to... That would be something that... Well, you know, we do have somebody from Mishawaka that... Oh, yeah. That is in Star Wars. 
Adam Driver. Yeah, well, we so don't get him on the we, podcast. Should we, <laughs> should we give a shout out to we, him? We must yes. know shout someone. Another, another, hey. an, an, another uh, homegrown. Where did he go? Mishawaka High School, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So hey, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's we a know small people world. Broadway, it's, it's, that's Star right. Wars movies. That's right. I guess the only reason why I ask is right. Is I mean, I'm sure that there's. Sometimes there's some things that are that are so powerful in our minds that like we would never want to uh, be a part of it because we wouldn't want to risk taking it. It's kind of like the old uh, meeting your heroes. Yeah, like we're you know kind of worrying like oh my gosh like if I meet Steven Spielberg and like he's a jerk. Right. You're so like, ah, well, no. so that's just why. So I think it's cool that you're like no, it's the, can, if I got the opportunity. Oh yeah, it definitely, it. it definitely would take it. Any any type of an opportunity like that, my my. It's always been a dream to be able to work with with some of these these great oh, actors yeah. and be able to just learn off of them while we're on set. Working with Danny Glover, it was just like watching this natural. It was just fantastic to see how sure. you know. Wow, I want to be like that. You yeah. know, I want to be able to snap and it, boom, I'm done. To see, you know, and it's it's a really cool feeling that they've continued with the Star Wars. Especially now, since we've got that little thing. I don't know. Can we use the word Disneyland? Uh, oh, yeah. I'll tell you this, and he, he can vouch for this, that when I came out at my wedding, they played the uh, Star Wars throne room music, and my wife and I had custom-made lightsabers. And the wedding party held up lightsabers. I know, because I did. That's what I'm saying. You yeah, I love it. Star Wars. Yeah, that's that's my jam. <laughs> nice. But... Oh, go ahead. No, no. I just go. want to bring. I just want to bring it back to the movie, just for. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> little so, tangent there. I mean, if we, we could talk wedding planning all we want afterwards, <laughs> I just want to get this one out. So, Brad, and your, what do you think as a seven-year-old kid you saw in Star Wars that a left such a lasting impression on you, and b you had never seen before in a movie? Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think really when I gravitated towards Luke, I really felt that I was him in a way because yeah. of the way that he he was brought up and the way that he kind of you know in that first beginning and then he, well, he grew into a, you mean a stuff kid in farm country, farm country, big things, big, exactly, yeah. which is exactly where we're from. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's let's everybody in the podcast world understand that South Bend is a in the Michigan area is isn't small area and it's surrounded by cornfields yeah lots and lots of cornfields so that is actually the basis of and it probably wasn't as much when you guys were growing up really we would right next to the cornfield right yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so we were in the country and to get that feel of looking out towards something bigger you know, looking towards that Chicago, looking towards yeah. LA, looking towards what can I, what can yeah. I do? You know, yeah. my dreams, my aspirations, and even at seven years old, that had a big impact. Yeah, and that's that's that where it was. And that, you're exactly right. It's like, wow, he's dreaming, and look what he got to do. I want to do that. That's awesome. I think that's cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That yeah, that's resonating with me for sure. That's how I felt. It's making me think of, uh, ironic, I mean, obviously, Dustin and I talk about Star Wars all the time. Uh, he texted me a quote from John Favre when, uh, that George Lucas told him when he started out as a director. Do you remember what it was? Uh, See if I can pull it up. But 
it was a pretty cool quote because, I mean, to get any advice from George Lucas, you know, you're like, well, this is pretty cool. Can I sit down with George? Well, of course. So here was his quote. He said, the one thing George Lucas said to me was, remember, John, the real audience for all, all these stories and these myths is the kids that are coming of age. And he goes on to say, because he's a really, uh, you know, big Joseph Campbell, you know, student. And he's like, we enjoy the stories as adults, but really storytelling is about imparting the wisdom of the previous generations onto the children who are becoming adults and giving them a context on how to behave and learn lessons and, you know, not repeat the mistakes of the past and things like that. And I was like, dang. He did that with you. I mean, he yeah. did that with all of us, but right. like as the seven-year-old kid in the movie theater, everything he set out to do, he accomplished. He accomplished. And I think that's he, pretty, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's why cool. that's really one of the reasons why it has become such a phenomenon. The whole original trilogy, and, and I had a little bit of time getting into the prequels. Yeah, I mean, my favorite part was the last ten minutes of the last one, of course, when you hear yeah. the breath of Darth Vader. But <laughs> the rest of it was like, and it, but it's coming more together as yeah. as they move forward with the the final three. It's just something that in our psyche we're looking towards something bigger. Yeah, what's our purpose in life? Even at a young age, right. you know, yeah, we're all having fun, Find your but that still runs. Yeah. yeah, it still kind of runs in, you know. I don't want, I don't mom and dad yelling at me all the time or, you know, I'm, it's, I have a place to go and that was our escapism. Yeah. Obviously you saw the first one in the theater. Did you mm-hmm. go see Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? Oh, well. I, I figured. Now, did you go when they did the special edition releases in no. the 90s? I waited till I waited till video. Because when we were kids, that was our only chance yeah. to see Star Wars. Actually, and, I think it still is. I don't think they ever re-released it. They, they planned on it, but then he sold it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a hard call because I'm not big on him adding the special effects to Star Wars. I wasn't either. I'm not a big fan of, of revisionist Filmmaking. going back and saying, like, I'm going to change. I mean, I know that's what he wanted because that was his original vision of, oh, I want the Death Star to do this and I want this to this and I wanted that and it just didn't work. But the way that he had cut the film, the way that it, the through yeah, line went in, I don't know why there wanted... was no reason. The only thing was, was when he added Jabba the Hutt, Okay, I understood that it does scene, make but it doesn't. Tri- it doesn't. It, yeah, it doesn't really roll in that. Right. It wasn't in the beginning, and it's like who shot first? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The most famous well, change. Exactly. You know, even first. though, like, you know, if you know, just for the sake of conversation, I know, like in ET, Steven Spielberg went back, and took the guys guns that up. were chasing the kids. He took the guns and made them like flashlights or something. You know, and I just thought I was like, you know, it's. A, these things, they're a product of their time. Right. You know, and there's something to be said about, like, this is where you were at. This is where effects were at. Like, that's well, you even bring it, you even bring a good statement, in, and you may have, you may want to cut this or whatever, but let's look at Netflix and what they just did with um, 13 Reasons Why. Oh, yeah. And they, they, took yeah. Out, they took out the most pivotal scene, which I think, because of today's society... Right. They put, oh no, that's going to cause people. No, it shouldn't cause people. That was a scene meant to open that up. You right. Know, you take the suicide scene out, and now you've just flatlined the whole whole series. That's kind of the point of it. And so. that was my feeling, and it's the same thing. And it and you look at that now. I understand some of this. 
I guess I gotta tread lightly on the yeah, like movements, but yeah. yeah, but it's getting some of this is getting so politically correct. He's changing it from guns to flashlights. Okay, to be fair to Spielberg, though, he totally regretted that. See, the, he was doing the, the PC. I'm going yeah. to conform because we've got some people that are outraged well, instead of following and, his storyline like he should. And I think it sets a dangerous precedent in the sense that I don't think there's a single filmmaker, I don't think there's a single artist who ever thinks that anything is, is good enough. Right. We could all Writers can keep like, right. rewriting forever, right? Right. Uh, filmmakers can keep recutting forever. Think at some point you have a finished product. Right. You have to write or you're and not you going to stand by it. And that's it. Right. Just think it's it's a dangerous and precedent to Isn't say, it right? ironic that both of those movies, Star Wars and E.T., both became the biggest movies of all time in their own <laughs> respective, you know, box office numbers. And then those were the ones that got revised. That's, That's kind of weird. We'll go ahead and uh, wrap up the conversation. Now, what we always do at the end of every every show is we want to throw it over to you and ask you if you have any shout outs. Is there anybody, you know, that you would love to just be like, Or hey, anything thanks. you got to plug. Yeah. Oh, I got, this well. Is the brand. Yeah, yeah, this, this is, is your, the brand. This is this your is time. Brand. This is the Brad. Uh, of course, like, like I said, I have, uh, have two movies out on... Amazon Prime, which is a shift in Lucretia. I want to shout out for uh, Janice, the director of Angels Never Cry. We're hoping to get distribution out here, but of course we're going international right now, which I'm really excited about. Uh, my big thing is, of course, working on our half-hour pilot over our heads. We cool. started shooting last week. Um, we've got some names that are attached, which are which is going to be fun. Exciting. Um, I've also got another film, which is called The Fix, which is a boxing movie, which is a cross between Rocky and a 1949 film called The Setup, which is basically about the corruption and that and the fixing of oh, boxing yeah. matches. Cool. And so it's that's basically a down and out boxing manager scheming to get back on top by using a young street fighter to take a fall. Okay. And so that's something that I haven't worked as a film. So I've got plenty that are going on with my producing partner, partner Patrick. My website, bradbanaka.com. And how can people find you on social? Well, uh, Brad Banaka on Instagram, uh, Brad Banaka on Facebook, B Banaka on Twitter. I should change that to Brad Banaka on Twitter. So it may um, be B Banaka or Brad, Brad Banaka. You just got to okay. feel it, it out, folks. It'll, it'll feel it out. But you can go onto my uh, Instagram, my Facebook. I do have a. Uh, a webpage, bradbanaka.com. Um, and then, of course, my production company, Brad B Entertainment, uh, which I took my old company nice. and I'm moving Keeping it forward. Like yes. It. Cool. So, and that's pretty much what we got going on right now. All Fantastic. Right. Cool. Exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah and anybody, anybody, on. anybody wanting to help us produce some of this stuff, reach out. Reach out to me. Email me. We're always we're always looking for people that have that. We sure. like to collaborate a lot with a lot of different people. So. Uh, we're open. We're open to helping anybody out. You know, if you're new in the business out here and you have nowhere to turn, drop me a line. Cool. Cool. Always Very good cool. to talk to you. Well, I definitely. I wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and we're excited to have you back on because obviously you're going to have more stories to tell. <laughs> and the only other thing is, I mean, I think Dustin and I both have to say, you know, go Cubs. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, yeah. God. I can't believe you guys put me on the spot like this. White Sox fan. That's yeah, not our him. problem. <laughs> oh, I have, a, I have a little story. Wait, wait, wait. So I was taking a class. I'm not going to mention the name of the here in L.A. And uh, I was handed a script. I was told she wanted it in a Chicago accent. 
<laughs> well, we're we're from outside of Chicago. Yeah. We have Chicago accents. Yeah. She didn't specify, that's why I brought that up, that she wanted that little two-block area in southern Chicago, oh, yeah. you know, where they talk like the, the bears. Nobody does that in <laughs> Chicago. But we ended up having this big argument because she's like, you're not talking Chicago. And I kind of looked at her and a couple of the people that know me looked at me and I'm like, okay, how am I supposed to talk? <laughs> This is how we talk. You go to Chicago, you go to South Bend, this is how we convert. I can't I can't make it up. <laughs> but if you're a South Sider, it's okay. You know, actually I worked on uh, Comiskey Field. Oh, okay. Yeah, back in the day. Nice. Yeah, when I, I was when I was roofing. Should have buried cool. a, a cup street there. Yeah. <laughs> next time, next time, we'll, next time we're together, we're just gonna wear our cup stuff. Man. All right. Well, wants to follow me at Big Kid D Man across all the social channels, and you can always find me at IndieCal5 wherever your social media needs take you. In the meantime, let us know if you have any questions, any feedback, any advice. Right. right. So to everybody tuning in, thank you so much for listening, and once again to Brad, thank you so much for Thanks, coming Brad. on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Great episode. All right. We will be back.